Business Buzz Podcast. The Business Buzz with Mudiwa Mock Justice Gabaza. Good day and welcome to the Business Buzz for a weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on Voice of Fits. That's VAU FM 88.1. We are broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bromfontein, Johannesburg. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to keep you entertained, educated and intrigued about the world of business. My name is Liwa Mao Justice Kavaz and I'll be your host uh, for today. Now, for this week... Um, one of the things that's really come into focus is um, unemployment. Uh, we heard that the economy is not in a good place, um, as we heard a few weeks ago with those dire second quarter numbers. And this week, we got even more news um, coming out about unemployment, which has reached and uh, you know quite a startling 42% uh, when one uses the expanded definition um, of uh, unemployment, uh, because more than 2 million South Africans actually lost um, their jobs in the second quarter of 2020 uh, due to COVID-19 and the subsequent lockdown to prevent the spread of the deadly coronavirus. And in light of that, a lot of people have been getting into the gig economy, starting businesses or side hustles. But this is something that is not new. We have uh, covered it um, in the past on the business buzz. But right now, it just seems even more important because people's uh, side hustles are becoming an even more important source of income uh, for them, especially at a time when uh, lockdowns have actually proved to many South Africans, old and young, that job security is not what it used to be. So a person can be a coder by day, you can be a photographer by night, or even a teacher um, on the weekend and be doing all of that to supplement your incomes and uh, maintain whatever lifestyle that you have. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show about the gig economy. And to help us to navigate the topic, uh, we're going to be talking to Tokozanim Simanga, who is a young a private banker uh, who has actually started a catering business on the side uh, together with Andy Swabata, who is a uh, regional head at FNB Business, um, who's also going to be giving us um, an overview of how big the gig economy is in South Africa and some of the reasons that have led uh, people to um, getting into side hustles or having multiple roles and getting multiple streams of income. Outside of that, we're also going to be getting into the business wrap. That's a part of the show. We give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news um, with our financial expert. And then we'll get into the state of your 100 in our Buffalo Index. Remember that you can find uh, Voice of Vits on social media and uh, follow us on all the platforms. On Facebook, we have our FM, that's Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page, uh, that is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. You can also stream the station live on VARFM.co.za, and you can find podcasts of the Business Buzz show are available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. Alternatively, you can search for us on iono.fm, and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, together with Spotify. So that's how the show is looking like. Make sure you uh, keep it locked. And uh, just stay right here for the next hour or so. On the other side of this, we get into the business wrap. You're tuned in to the business bus.
In our business wrap, we look at uh, the week's top trending business and economics news. And uh, for this week, one of the biggest things to come out is uh, the latest unemployment figures uh, coming out from Stats SA. You remember that a few weeks ago, we spoke about uh, the huge um, economic contraction that happened in the second quarter um, of uh, 2020. Um, the, those are the months of um, you're looking at April, May, and June, uh, according to you know that body and it was uh, it was a bloodbath and this week stats SA brought out new figures um confirming that uh, more than two million south africans lost their jobs in that period bringing into sharp focus uh, the devastating economic reality uh, that covid 19 and its lockdowns has actually brought um to south africa and the rest of the world in its uh, quarterly labor force survey uh, this week uh, stats SA actually said that the total number of jobless people now stands at 14.1 million essentially that's one in four south africans um out of a population of around uh, 60 million and uh, the number of people the number of people that's classified as not economically active also rose to 20.6 million one of the most startling things though about what's going on is the fact that um if you look at uh, the official unemployment figures it uh, seems one would think that things have gotten better but as you've just heard uh, millions of people lost their jobs and that has to do with the way that people define economics uh Sorry, not define economics, but define unemployment in, in economics. And um, we saw that uh, in the first quarter, uh, we had an unemployment rate of 30.1%. But the official figure for the second quarter is actually now sitting at uh, 23.3%. And you might ask how that is if millions of people have lost their jobs. And it has to do with the way that um, we define um, employment and un- unemployment because uh, the definition actually requires that those who are out of work work are actually looking for employment and are available to be hired uh, for them to be counted as being unemployed but during the lockdown there's a lot of people that were prevented from actually going out to look for work because they were indoors which actually skews these figures uh, perhaps this might be a time for the economics fraternity to relook at how they measure uh, some of these situations particularly in uh, in such uh, in such a such a state uh, where things are not uh, business as usual otherwise if if we look at what's called the expanded definition of unemployment where we look at uh, people that are completely out of work that actually rose from 39.7 uh, percent in the first quarter to 42 percent um, in the second quarter which i think is uh, definitely a more realistic uh, picture of what the state of the economy actually looking like the other big news of the week it's uh, somewhat on the left but it's um, it's something that affects all of us the independent Independent Communications uh, Authority of South Africa uh, is going to be releasing the rules around the auction of Spectrum. Um, Spectrum is the radio waves on which um, data and mobile signals are carried. And this is important because mobile operators have for years um, argued that they don't have enough Spectrum, um, which is why the cost of mobile data has tended to be high because they were using what they have and reinvesting as much as they can and refarming and repurposing 
existing radio waves to cope with new technologies such as 3G and 4G. Uh, but now they're saying we are going to be getting some new spectrum, um, which hasn't been released since maybe 2004, 2005. Um, and uh, ICASA came out saying that they're going to be giving out the rules. Um, the auction was meant to happen in December, but has been moved to um, about March. Um, so that's what things are looking like on that front. So if everything goes according to plan, bidding happens. Hopefully it will mean that there is a further decline in mobile data prices uh, because the internet is uh, an enabler for the economy um, going forward. So that's been it in terms of the business wrap. On the other side of this, we get into the Buffalo Index. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. In our Buffalo Index, we seek to let you know what your 100 Rand or your Buffalo can do for you. And for today, since we are talking about the gig economy, one of the ways in which people are able to balance the time uh, pressures of having multiple things going on in their lives is the use of uh, virtual assistants, uh, which in the last couple of years have actually risen in popularity uh, because they are used for the purpose of outsourcing daily business tasks. Uh, um, that uh, the daily business tasks, so typing, maybe managing your social media, um, issues like that to reduce the amount of work that you have to put into the admin of your business. The rates of virtual assistance can actually vary from hourly rates uh, to project rates, and the hourly rates themselves can further vary in accordance to the services uh, that are actually being provided to clients. Now, in terms of your Buffalo, if you are in the gig economy, or you're a business person or someone who just has a lot of things going on and you want someone else to handle um, maybe replying to your emails, maybe uh, taking, such, taking certain calls or maybe posting on social media on your behalf, um, you can look at starting rates uh, for simple typing, actually starting at around um, 75 rand or three quarters of a buffalo. So it means um, your one buffalo can get you a virtual assistant, but that's only for an hour. And then on the other side of that coin, if you are someone who wants to maybe help out some businesses and become a virtual assistant yourself, as opposed to having the use of a virtual assistant, in South Africa, the average salary for a virtual assistant is 8,300 Rand um, or 83 Buffaloes. And uh, at the same time, at around that rate, you can also start earning a salary of uh, around 250 Rand or 200 and a half buffaloes per hour for those services. So that's been it in terms of our Buffalo Index. If you're in the market for a virtual assistant as someone in the gig economy or as a business person, that's what your 100 Rand can do for you. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz with Modiwa Mob Justice Gabaza. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. We are talking about the gig economy. And uh, before, you know, things get rolling in terms of uh, maybe an individual with um, a side hustle or who is in the gig economy and also just exploring how big uh, the economy, the gig economy actually is. Remember that you can find us on social media. We are VARFM, that's Voice of Vits. And uh, you can also find our other Facebook page that is uh, Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM. And 
and our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So to start things off um, in our exploration of uh, the gig economy, uh, we're going to be talking to someone who is um, actively in there. And uh, we're joined by Ntoko um, Zanim Simanga, who is a private banker. And uh, she's just going to be telling us about uh, her um, experience in uh, in the economy and uh, why she's doing what she does. Ntoko Zani, greetings to you. Uh, hello. Thank you so much for having me today. No, no, no. Thank you so much for being with us and taking your time to be, um, you know, maybe sharing some of your insights. I think a good place for us to start is uh, we we did, you know, kind of touch on it earlier on. But, you know, do you have a, a, a nine to five job? Are you fully in the gig economy? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, as you've already said, I kind of work as a banker at a for private bank. So... Nine to five. That's my standard go-to. I'm within, and because I work for a bank, you see, you see the impact that COVID and everything has had, honestly, with this past year on individuals. And in light of all of that, uh, because you do have the nine to five, uh, you you are participating then um, in the gig economy through a side hustle. So, what exactly are you doing? And was it something that you sort of got into because you wanted to make extra money, or was it more of a passion project? Okay, so I kind of have a side hustle. I also have a business partner. It's a culinary company. We call it Isidro the Food. And to be honest, it's something that I've always been passionate about. So growing up, I was cooking and baking and people would always say, oh, you should start your own company, you should start your own company. And it's not something that I really took seriously up until end of last year when I met, when I met up with my business partner. We're like, okay, cool, no, let's do this. We literally just, it started from a passion project and we were just doing a few parties for people. So we would cook and then we would host people and then they'll just pay for us cooking. So it started as a passion and then it just slowly grew from there. And because of and because you do have that, you have a whole business partner, a whole thing going on. How do you manage your time between the two? Uh, they don't call a nine to five for nothing. You literally have to be working throughout all of those hours. How are you doing it? Okay, so it was extremely difficult in the beginning, especially because when we started, and when you're getting all those amazing opportunities, it's so difficult to turn them down. So uh, we were basically trying to be superheroes and take every opportunity that we have. But <laughs> my partner also has a nine to five, so it's borderline unrealistic. So I know the first two months, that's when we ended up getting so tired because we didn't know how to say no to an opportunity. But now I think we're at a stage where we even do, like we have on our page, we have an Instagram page, it's at if start for food. And we say we work on pre-orders and it needs to be days in advance. And for, for events, it's easier to plan for if you're cooking for an event because someone will likely tell you weeks in advance. But if we're doing Sunday meals, we take orders during the week, then we know we can do the meals Sunday in the morning. But before we would want to do the meals, on the day, like on a Tuesday, for example, at that time, you still have a nine-to-five, which was extremely unrealistic. But now we're starting to get the hang of managing. We do pre-orders only for now. 
So I guess, uh, like you're saying, that sort of made-to-order business model does work for you in terms of um, being able to maybe manage your time and actually plan um, ahead. So with that in mind, if there is an event, let's say this coming weekend, uh, there's a get-together, someone says that they want maybe um, X amount of food, confectionery, whatever it is, when is the actual um cooking actually happening is it happening on the day are you doing it uh pre before are the things that you can maybe uh be doing during the week is it all just you know a sprint the night before how does that actually look okay so normally what we try to do is get all our orders in let's say the example that you used for this weekend we try get our last order in on friday morning that way it gives us time to just pre-plan everything that we need to buy and then we'll either get it after work depending on who has time or on saturday morning so if an event is on let's say sunday if it's sunday morning we'll probably do the preps the night before and then start the cooking in the evening because most of our cooking will be doing stews, curries and like traditional meals so those take a few hours to cook but if it's something in the afternoon we'll obviously wake up early in the morning I've been up at 4am before <laughs> cooking for an event on the day because you don't want to serve someone food that's been made like 24 hours in advance and they're only going to eat it in the afternoon and in that time they'll want to have leftovers so it's a bit unrealistic so right now we honestly we're still new and it's, it's very challenging to to push and balance everything but i think we're st- starting to slowly get to that point where we can somewhat plan in advance but there's always those opportunities that just come out of nowhere and we find ourselves doing what we say we wouldn't do anymore now we're sprinting and running around and doing something on the day when we could have just said listen we don't have a capacity at the moment and because of that what actually then keeps you motivated because i can imagine you know maybe you've had like like extending the example that we've been using about this weekend um you've obviously maybe had like a long week and things at uh, you know at the office have been quite hectic and now you have a mountain of work waiting for you let's say on a friday or perhaps there is that um, 4 5 a.m wake up that needs to happen on a saturday how do you keep yourself going so as I said earlier, I think it's because it's something, it's a passion project. And because it stems from something that used to be a hobby for me, it's easy to keep going. And you get so excited at the thought of, okay, cool, maybe this time I can change the recipe up a little bit. And then when a client gives you feedback of, oh, that was so amazing. What did you do differently, especially for a regular client? You look forward to that type of feedback and I'm not going to lie, the additional source of income, that's the other thing that will keep you going. <laughs> it's, nice. <laughs> it's nice to hear that notification coming through from the bank. I actually like the fact that uh, you did already touch on the factor of uh, the additional income because um, I think someone who's listening might be curious to understand, are you trying to replace your current income or are you, or are you trying to extend your current income? So with me, I'm trying to, for now, the short-term goal is to extend my current income. But depending on the growth of the business, I'm not going to lie, if it grows to its own baby to the point where I need to leave my career, 
like nine to five. That is something I'm willing to look at in terms of replacing my current income. But at this particular moment, it's just a matter of extending my current income. And I like the fact as well that you are a private banker because it means uh, you probably have some sight into the state of um, what a normal person's incomes and all of that are looking like. For millennials specifically, do you think millennials are getting into the gig economy, you know, because, um, like you, they're passionate about certain things or there's, um, things that they've been doing, hobbies, etc., that they're now trying to monetize? Or is it simply a matter, uh, of the fact that the cost of living is going up and people simply feel like they aren't being paid enough by their nine to fives? So I think with millennials, to be honest, it's a bit of both because we kind of live in a time where something that was previously just a hobby and wasn't paying well could end up being what your your what considered your high earning individuals. We now live in a time where influencers went there before, so someone could have previously just enjoyed taking pictures and having like loving how the art may look like, but for now the time that we live in, you could actually make a career out of that and make millions from that. So I think the drive with millennials, from my own perspective, I think it's a combination of both of, you realize that maybe from our parents or from previous generations, you realize you can't really live off one income if you want that lifestyle, because we millennials are so obsessed, you know, with the cars, the house, the money, we we want that American lifestyle. And for you to get that, realistically, it's not something you can easily achieve off one income, in my opinion, unless up until you're an exec of a company. So I think for most millennials, it's just it's that realization that for my nine to five, I get paid a certain amount. I need to get some external source of income somewhere else to maintain the lifestyle that I want to have right now or the lifestyle that I plan on having in the future. The word realistic, I think that is one of the most important things that's been said in this entire discussion. And to extend that thought, um, what advice do you have, or at least from your experience, the reality um, versus uh, what people think about when they envision a side hustle? Um, how have you found it? And what advice would you have for someone who is in that position? They have the nine to five and they want to get and they're thinking maybe I can have a side hustle. The actual reality of actually doing it, you know, what are your thoughts? I'm not going to lie. It's hard. It's extremely hard to manage everything. But the best thing that I could say is God now. Don't overthink it because that was my problem. It was that you wanted to wake up until everything was right. There won't be a right time for everything. And as much as it seems that things are very hectic right now. And maybe I'm also speaking from my perspective where um, I don't have any other responsibilities in the sense of I don't have kids that I need to take care of or like other than my immediate family, I don't have those other additional responsibilities. So it does become easier. So for a millennial who I would say is in a similar position to me, you've recently graduated, you have a corporate job, and you have a passion project that you think you could do as a side hustle. Start now. It's going to be very challenging, but start now. You'll fix the mistakes as you go. You'll perfect your business model, and you will definitely get better. But it's going to be challenging, but it will definitely be worth it. Now, some very sage advice 
uh, there from Tokozania, but just starting now. You know, it might be hard in the beginning, but just start. Don't uh, let it just fester as a thought in your mind. Actually start. Uh, so, Tokozani, as we come to the end of this discussion, how have you chosen to um, communicate to your market? Um, how have you chosen to maybe... Um, you know that communication and marketing what are you what channels are you using is it all word of mouth are you pinning you know those white papers onto trees are you using social media um are you in whatsapp groups um what are you using and as an extension of that how can people actually get in touch with you okay so our primary communication in terms of marketing has actually been word of mouth so when we started even the parties that we were hosting the company that I work for, I'm fortunate enough to have people that believe in supporting your side hustle. Almost everyone in that company has something else that they're <laughs> pushing other than corporate. So when you start something like that, everyone is always willing to support. So we were very fortunate to have most of our clients come from where we spend our nine to five. So that's how we started. And this year we've slowly been branching off to social media and just trying to target more than, because our end goal isn't to just target people that we work with. We want to start going to the outside market. So we've been on Instagram. So we like, we post on Instagram more, sometimes promote the post and then we'll spread it on our WhatsApp groups get more people that we know to post it, and then that's how we've been primarily operating. And we have, I think I mentioned this earlier, our Instagram page is at isidro, which is I-S-I-D-R-O dot the food on Instagram. So you can get a hold of us there, and you can visit a contact button, and then you can just message us if you want to rather speak on WhatsApp. A very interesting, fascinating, and real discussion of what it means to be in uh, the gig economy. Thank you so much uh, to Tokozani Msimanga, who is a private banker. And uh, she recently um, got into um, uh, this uh, this gig economy. Um, she has uh, a company called uh, Isitlo. And uh, the, you heard you can find them on Instagram. They've been using a lot of word of mouth in the, you know, in the beginning but now you know they're starting to branch out uh, because they're trying to gain more and more external customers more than anything else i think the big takeaway from what she said apart from the fact that you should just start um just highlighting the actual reality of what it means to do this thing and uh, the fact that you have to be passionate or at least be motivated enough to actually um go with it and put in a hundred percent because if you're balancing the nine to five and doing this afterwards Nine to fives are hard enough as it is, and then you have something extra going on, then it definitely needs a new level of determination that you have to find for yourself. So that's been it. On the other side of this, we continue with our show. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. COVID Business Watch. COVID Watch. On, on The Business Buzz. Now, COVID Business Watch, we look to see what the impact of COVID-19 has been on various businesses in and around South Africa. And for today, our producer Jusad Tando uh, went and spoke to Sakile Butelezi, who is uh, the founder and managing director of Imboni Agri Supplies, a black-owned company that supplies uh, chicken meat and layers for commercial and domestic use. Um, he was answering the questions around, uh, can you tell us the experience
benefits of running a business uh, such as yours during the during the lockdown and could anything have prepared you for the pandemic uh, together with um, what do you think the trajectory of your business will be um, when things are back to normal and what advice um, do you have for someone who wants to um, start a business like yours here's what he had to say good evening with you and to your listeners thanks for having me i'm sakile Butelis, a teacher by profession and a poultry farmer who focuses on growing and supplying broiler chicken and lemon brown hens imboni agri supply is a small business which supplies the old chicks broiler for meat production and lemon brown for egg production we raise broiler chickens from day old to six weeks that's when uh, they are ready for the market we also raise lemon brown uh, hens from day old to 19 weeks just before they start laying eggs operating our business during lockdown uh, made it difficult for us to reach our clients because uh, we usually deliver our products in different provinces lockdown regulations especially level four and five made it difficult for us to access animal feed fertile eggs and also vaccines prices increased because of the demand and a lot of scammers took advantage of that luckily we didn't fall into the trap when things get back to normal the aim is to grow the business and creating more employment uh, and we'll be able to apply, uh, to supply our poultry products much more easier at an afford- affordable price. Lockdown regulations made a lot of suppliers to increase their prices because of their demand. Then the steep prices made it difficult for our clients to continue farming during lockdown. So we see our business growing and we, uh, we see our business growing. Uh, and even having another branch in uh, KZN. And we can continue to educate and train the youth about farming chicken. Then if someone is interested in uh, starting poultry farming, he or she should invest in knowledge and skills about the business, develop the love for animals, be prepared to do the work, uh, if possible, approach a local farmer, and start volunteering and learn about poultry farming before starting the actual business. Uh, I would advise, uh, uh, I would advise the, the the entrepreneur to start small and grow bigger as the business operates. More justice on the business bars. We are talking about uh, what it means to be in uh, the gig, uh, the gig economy, and uh, on the line to help us to further unpack um, some of these issues and what's actually going on. We are joined by Andy Swabata, who is um, a regional head at FNB Business. Uh, Andy Swab, greetings to you. Good day. Awesome to spend some time with you and the listeners today. No, no, no. Thank you so much for being with us. I think a good place for us uh, to start is uh, just, you know, from your vantage point, your viewpoint, and just from what you see and know um, in your own line of work. When we talk about the gig economy, um, what do you, what are you seeing? What are you referring to? So, firstly, I'd like to 
first, I think it might even be useful for us to establish a common language about what we mean by the gig economy. So typically, adults who want or need to earn an income will go and establish a business or they'll go and get a traditional job. Um, and in that traditional job, a person gets paid, let's say, on a monthly basis, and they get paid a specific known amount. Um, by doing gigs or entering the gig economy, one is essentially taking on employment, but it's definitely in a more ad hoc way in that there's not really any um, certainty as to how frequently one will get work, how much they will be able to make, um, and how they will be paid versus somebody who is in a more traditional employed sense. Um, so really simply put, it's work that isn't a typical nine to five job. Um, but rather you work where your skills are needed as and when they are needed. So I think we can then reflect on what are the different types of, 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 of jobs that are emerging in the gig economy. And I think the really simple answer there is it's actually pretty difficult to box or cram any examples into that because of how broad that definition of gig economy then is. Um, because uh, it, it could really be yourself developing websites for businesses. It could be me singing or emceeing at functions. It could be my sister who bakes cakes for parties. Or it could even be a student who drives an Uber cab at night um, to make extra income. But the point is, I think the gig economy is something that's definitely starting to flourish within South Africa, either because of necessity or because of interest. And that's the typical kind of stuff that it covers. And also in that, because you've already identified and told us that um, some of the definitions can be so broad, is it how is it then that we can maybe ascertain what the actual size of this gig economy is in the country? And it's because it's so broad that there's no official statistics. Um, and also because a lot of the work that's been done in the gig economy does tend to be informal in that it's, it sometimes happens outside of a formal employment contract that can govern and be um, documented or recorded um, for, for regulatory or reporting um, purposes. But what we can draw on is that um, internationally estimates are that in some of the more developed economies like the US and the, and the UK, the amount of people who are part of the workforce that are also um, either doing um, jobs in the gig economy to supplement their traditional job income or they're solely freelancing in the gig economy can be about 10 to 40 percent of a workforce in any given country. That's actually quite a quite a sizable, um, quite a sizable size, and especially you know when you consider, I guess the informality in some cases that you are talking about. But within the South African context, would you say that you know the state of the economy and I guess the rate of joblessness has actually propelled or forced people to actually decide that okay, fine, maybe having a side hustle or multiple hustles is the way forward. And I think that's actually a very timely question because you would have seen this week that SA released the country's um, unemployment figures for the second quarter of 2020. Um, but before I even comment on those statistics, just very quickly important to comment on how the figures are reported. So in South Africa, our unemployment official stats typically include people who are of, the, of working age and who are willing in other words, they, they, they want to work, 
they're keen to work, they're able to work, and they're actually looking for work, um, but simply do not have a job. Um, excluded from then those um, uh, official statistics are people who are not actively looking for work, maybe because they're looked after by their family or spouse, or maybe because um, that person has been looking for a job for so long and eventually they became a discouraged work seeker. So, 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 so there's the, the official definition and then there's the expanded definition of unemployment. So if we look at the official definition, which is people who are able to work, are keen to work, are actively looking for work but just don't have a job, what was reported by Statsa was that actually the unemployment rate in South Africa dropped from about 30% in the third quarter of 2020 to about 23% in the second quarter of 2020. However, if you include the expanded definition of unemployment, which as I've just described, includes people who are simply just no longer looking for work, then the unemployment rate is actually at 42%. Now you may ask yourself, why would you be able to work but you're just not looking for work, um, especially if you want to work? Actually, it's because remember, the second quarter of 2020 was when we had the heaviest um, period of lockdown due to COVID-19 in South Africa. And so even some of those people who found themselves with no job um, or, or needed a job for whatever reason, simply couldn't go looking for a job because they couldn't move around because of lockdown. And so that's why I think um, irrespective of whether you're looking at what looks like an artificially lower unemployment rate in the official stats, the real stats actually are much higher than that. But actually, either way, whether it's a 23% or 42%, I think we can agree that unemployment rate is very high. No, no, it is very high indeed. And one of the things... Um, that has been affected by that is obviously going to be um, SARS or the South African Revenue Service's ability to actually collect taxes uh, because you know of you know the higher rates of uh, you know joblessness and in the same breath would you say you know people that are in the gig economy how are they affected or how do they actually contribute towards um you know these tax collections i can imagine that it must be an especially difficult thing to do um especially when you consider the informality that you touched on earlier mm. so if we if, if, if we think about essentially people who are doing gigs either as their main income or to supplement um uh, any, any any income from a traditional job, you're absolutely right. Because of some of the informal nature with which those um, gigs are secured and paid, typically, for instance, um, you'll find that a corporate um, or a big company, when they have employees and they're paying them, the, the corporate itself will deduct the income tax on behalf of the individual or the employee and keep that aside and pay that over to SARS or the tax man on the employee's behalf. When you're in the gig economy, you're not a formally employed or permanently employed or contracted employee of the company typically. And as a result, the company doesn't withhold that tax deduction on your behalf. They pay you the full amount. And then it's really up to you yourself as the entrepreneur or the hustler to then essentially make sure that you're taking money aside and putting it aside for, for purposes of paying your taxes come the end of the year. So I think it's actually quite important that even though it's informal, um, point is, if you're earning at least the minimum taxable amount as prescribed by the taxman, you are eligible to pay tax in South Africa. And 
the, the company or, or people you're working for in the gig economy may not be deducting that on your behalf. But I would suggest that anybody who is undertaking any, you know, um, jobs in the gig economy, when you receive your income for a specific job, please rather take the portion that you would have been paying in tax and put that into a separate account. Or put it aside altogether so that you don't even really see it as money that is coming to you. Because I can guarantee you at the end of the year, when you're having to do a tax return, um, and, and with the tax man having the ability to go and track your income, um, especially if it's paid into, for instance, a formal bank account, um, you will be found wanting or found short if you haven't adequately put enough money aside to do right by the tax man. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I certainly identify with what you're saying because at some point I was fully in the gig in the in the gig economy and you definitely have to um have those issues there and it, i think it's always best if there is uh, a company or a corporate or a client or whoever you do work for that does make those payments on your behalf rather because i think the discipline <laughs> the discipline of actually putting your money on the side is much um easier said than done um so with that in mind then going forward would you say we're going to see more and more people um engaging in in the in the gig economy um going forward because there is that debate um we see um companies like google in the states where about 60 percent of their workforce is uh, contract workers for example do you think it's within the realm of possibility we might get to that place where everyone is sort of a gig economy worker of some kind um i'm working i'm working for a bank from like eight until two and then in the afternoon i'm a school teacher and then in the evening i'm writing code for software um where do you see that going sure um uh, i do think that it's something that will increase in its popularity over time and i think um in saying that i actually want to touch on the reasons why i think people often enter the gig economy so you're absolutely right a lot of it is out of necessity because you do need to put food on the table and clothes on your back and pay school fees etc etc um and perhaps maybe your nine to five job isn't really covering all those expenses but actually there are softer reasons why the gig economy makes sense for example, you could find somebody who's a receptionist in a big company, and actually their true passion is doing makeup, art, um, uh, artistry, uh, or singing, opera, or whatever it may be. And so perhaps it is an ideal opportunity for people to wear two hats, to have a nine-to-five traditional job, and then as you say, go do something either out of necessity or actually just because you enjoy it and it's your passion, and you're not able to do it full-time. Other people we see actually enter the gig economy because of the pure flexibility it gives them. Because you have the option to choose what jobs you want, how often you want them, and what kind of variety of jobs that you want to take on. Which actually a lot of people find very, very liberating, which is pretty cool. But no matter what your reasons are for why you might consider entering the gig economy and, 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 and taking advantage of these awesome aspects that it does give you, I think in, comment, in commenting on the future of it, I just want to warn any uh, persons or entrepreneurs um, in that when you are actually entering that side hustle, please ensure that you understand it comes with its own risks. It is largely informal, so it's unregulated. But I'm also not sure what kind of protection you might get in terms of making sure you earn a minimum wage or that you are subject to decent working hours or that it actually sometimes 
especially when you don't have a contract, ensuring that you even get paid. Um, it also means that it doesn't come with standard benefits that a lot of folks who work a traditional job would have, like whether it's medical aid or life cover or things like that. So that's about the only caution I would give to anybody who wants to go full on gig economy is that it could be for you, and I think that's amazing, and embrace it. Just make sure you cover yourself in terms of the risk. And then lastly, because you, we've touched on how, you know, the gig economy versus formal employment, you know, that relationship or, you know, those factors are a bit different. Um, would you say that um, there is a difference um, in how maybe individuals, consumers, etc., interact with maybe their bank, um, depending on whether or not they are in formal employment or whether they are in the gig economy? So I think in answering that, it's, it's, uh, it's possibly um, good for me to explain how typically banks approach the decision to provide finance to someone. And typically, traditionally, banks will seek to look at what are the cash flows that you generate or income that you get, what are your expenses on a, on a, let's say, monthly basis? And how much do you then have left over, which we call free cash flow? Because in looking at your free cash flow, that's what then determines how much free cash you now have available that you can go and pay debt as and when it needs to be repaid. And so with a traditional job that has a lot more certainty about how much you're going to get and how often, it could then be easier for one to then exhibit to the bank what their you know financial track record looks like with more certainty than if one is, um, for instance, operating in the gig economy, where, as we described, there is less frequency or certainty on the types of gigs or how often, how much, etc., etc. That's not to say that people operating in the gig economy could never be attractive for any sort of bank funding, um, but I, I would say that you then possibly need a pretty wide variety of gigs that you're pursuing on a regular basis so that even if one uh, ball is getting dropped for now, at least you have enough balls in the air that you can exhibit at least some sort of stability in terms of how much you're actually getting in on a monthly basis versus what your typical expenses look like. Thank you so much. That was us with Andy Swabata, who is a regional head at F&B Business, giving us some insight into um, what the gig economy is actually looking like, um, perhaps starting off with some definitions of what we mean. And uh, we agree that it can be quite broad. Um, and in some cases, 10, maybe even 20% of, um, of an economy's uh, workforce is in the gig economy. But once again, very hard to um, actually see what the quantum of that is. Also talking about how the economy and the structure of uh, certain jobs and passions has actually led to more and more people getting into it and that in some cases, like what COVID-19 has done and the dismal unemployment figures that recently came out will show people might have been forced um, to just find anything to put food on the table. Also just talking about the fact that um, when you are in the gig economy, there are tax implications that do come about and um, your relationship with the bank it does it doesn't change but um, there's a bit uh, it's a there's a bit more onus on a person in the gig economy versus formal employment when applying for things like financing so that's been it on the other side of this we continue with the show keep it locked this is the business buzz you're tuned in to the business buzz
And with that, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you so much to Andiswa, uh, together with Tokozani, for sharing their thoughts and insights um, with us just around what one it means to actually have um, a side hustle or to be in the gig economy, and two, um, what the gig economy actually looks like and why a lot of millennials um, seem to have taken to this. Um, my thoughts on the matter is that going forward we're likely to see more and more proliferation uh of the gig economy especially given where we started this show uh some of the unemployment numbers not encouraging in any way job security is just not what it used to be and this is not um a south african uh, phenomenon this is something that's happening even in the developed world countries like um the us or uh, and in europe you heard me earlier on talking about the fact that um companies like Google Google, a big portion of uh, their workforce is contract workers, and it's already pointing towards a situation where uh, some of the biggest firms in the world are only getting people on a contract basis. Permanent employment is not um, what it used to be. We might find ourselves uh, get creating you know, streams of income so that you can uh, decide on a certain lifestyle, what are you willing to put into it and then take your way there. And at the same time, it also gives a person that ability to explore different interests and also express themselves differently, different skill sets, um, maybe Using the example at the start of this show, you're a computer programmer, photographer, maybe a teacher, um, all at the same time because you do have all of those different talents, expertise, and you can also get the opportunity to try something and see if it actually works or if it's something that um, is a pipe dream. And also, it's always good um, to be able to make money from something that you are passionate about. Otherwise, let us know what you think. On social media, we are Vowel FM, that's Voice of Vits. On Facebook, our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy at Vowel FM on Twitter. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Iono.fm is where you can find all our podcasts. And you can also find our other great content on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. Tell us what you think. Are you in the gig economy? Are you someone who has a nine to five and has a side hustle? We really want to hear from you. And with that, we've reached the end of today's show. Uh, thank you so much to our amazing team. Our, our technical producer is Kotlano together with our executive producer Glory Mabuza, our producers Slindil Sibi, together with Ntando Klimba and Simbarashe Honde. Don't miss the business by the same time, same place next week uh, for more insight into the world of business. Make sure you don't turn that down. There's more great content coming up on the VAL FM lineup. So for myself, Leo Mob, Justice Kavasa, and the rest of the team, it is take care. The Business, the business Buzz, Buzz with Modiwa Mob, Justice Kavasa. The Business Buzz Podcast.